Welcome to the Forest Path Podcast, a podcast sharing the teachings of awakened meditation masters of the modern era. These translated teachings have been made into a podcast format for your convenience so that you can download teachings direct to your mobile device via your favorite podcasting app and listen to the Dhamma wherever you are. This episode is a talk given by the Thai forest meditation master Ajahn Tet and it's titled Maranasati, Mindfulness of Death. In this Dhamma talk, Ajahn Tate explains the benefits of Maranasati and gives advice on how to practice it. This is a really strong talk that will be of benefit to those who've been practicing meditation for some time and want to sharpen up their mindfulness. It may not be the best advice for beginners, so if you are a beginner or if you are prone to depression or suicidal ideation, this is not the talk for you. There will be other talks available soon that will focus on uplifting the mind, and they would be better. This teaching is given freely by Ajahn Tate and was translated by Stephen Towler and made available for free distribution in the publication Words of the Master, which was published in 2022. You can find links to the original text in the show notes below. May you all benefit from hearing this gift of Dhamma. Maranasati, Mindfulness of Death, by Ajahn Tet. Maranasati, that is, meditation on death, is a meditation subject of the highest order. This is because when recollecting death, the chitta becomes melancholy and withdrawn from other objects and emotions. Death is the ultimate stage of our life. This being the case, what could be left over? Apart from death, there is nothing. Everything we are involved with in this lifetime is cast off completely. Even though we may not want to cast off these things, we must give them up. We are dead. We have to part company with everything without exception. This is why I say that Maranasati is the summit of Kamatana, the complete practice of meditation. It doesn't matter who investigates this. If they practice Maranasati, but the chitter is yet to converge, is yet to be solitary, is yet to let go, is still unable to disentangle itself, then their meditation is up the spout. With regards to Maranasati, Lord Buddha asked his monks how they considered death. Some monks responded saying, When investigating death, we fear our lives won't last a day or night. We fear we will die before we have a chance to finish eating our alms food. Other monks said they investigated death as they ate and they feared they would die before they finished eating. At this stage the Lord interrupted and instructed these monks, saying they were heedless in their examination of death. He instructed them, saying, Whoever investigates death sees death in every breath. This is how one who is not heedless investigates. If the in-breath comes in but does not go out, death occurs. If the out-breath goes out but there is no in-breath, death occurs. This is the way things are, and this is what it means to be heedful. On a daily basis, how often do we think about death? 
You know some people let days, months and years go by without giving death a single thought. This is why they are called heedless. Heedlessness amounts to negligence and loss of awareness. Sati, mindfulness, has gone out the door. Heedlessness, wherever it is, is a support for death. The saying, the path of death, has not actually reached death, you know. However, the heedless believe it to be death because lacking sati is the same as someone who has died. The opposite of heedlessness, being attentive, is having sati at all times, in every posture, standing, walking, lying down and sitting. This is the path to the deathless. It is the path that has sati, which is aware of the body at all times. This is what I am talking about. Such a person is one gone beyond death. We are dying from the moment we are born. We are constantly changing. You could say the child dies and becomes the teenager. A young woman, until they reach 40 or 50 years of age and become old and decrepit. These changes occur gradually until right up to death. The mental component that frets and gets involved in all manner of the things does not remain static. It jumps from one sense object to another to another. This can also be referred to as dying. The death of one sense object in pursuit of another. This is also a death, but a death without dying. I call on you to investigate the implicit nature of death. When the time of death actually arrives, that's a whole other matter. Dying is not a simple thing. It's not as easy as we may imagine. Sometimes a blood vessel hemorrhages and we die. Heart attacks happen. There are sudden deaths where you don't hang around at death's door. There are deaths considerably more torturous than this. Then there's the case of experiencing pain and illness over many years before death. Sometimes there is paralysis where you cannot move. You cannot lift your hands and feet. You cannot eat or defecate without assistance. Now, this is the worst of deaths, where we face the deity of death first. Ordinarily, we strike our enemy. He hits us from the flanks, from the left and from the right. He cuts a path to transport his weapons and supplies before he, little by little, starts to destroy us. But it is not all over. This is when the great army storms into attack. This is facing up to the deity of death. For example, having a broken arm or a broken leg could be a prelude to death. Sometimes it is a pain in the head or a stomach ache. Sometimes it's a bowel infection. There are all sorts of things it could be. All of these are pain and agony, whether we are sitting or lying down, because we are unable to eliminate them by changing posture, but the heart is yet to crumble. This is extreme torture, not being able to swap posture to get relief. It doesn't matter how much other meditation you have done, when it comes to this moment, it is extremely difficult to establish sati within the body. It was for this very reason that the Lord Buddha taught the recollection of death, marana sati, to enable you to establish sati when death comes. In truth, death is no big deal. Before you die, the most important thing is to protect the chitta from all conditions by firmly establishing sati. 
You cannot let the chitter become confused. This is critically important. When minor pain and sickness arises in the body, you must use it to train your investigation of death, recollecting, this is the way it must be. At present, the truth is, we have not yet reached the point of death. When that point does occur, everything will decay and decompose. The eyes will not see the way. The ears will hear no sounds. The body won't feel, but the mind will be in a state of confusion and panic. Trepidation will be present. When we finally get to the real point of death, all attachments will be severed. Even the sati that has protected the chitta well will disappear. What does arise is the karma nimitta, a sign vision of some past karma, or the gati nimitta, a sign vision of where rebirth will take place. In sukati, righteousness, or dukati, depravity, there will arise a kama nimitta consistent with one's kama. For example, killing, stealing, sexual misconduct, etc., which is referred to as depraved kama. Kama nimitta. An example would be seeing an animal that we killed. It is in our heart that we see the animal chasing us, encircling us, hurting us until we cry and moan in distress. This carries on until a sound arises. Sometimes this sound is for all to hear. The sound is just like one made at the time when we were still alive. The Gati Nemata In the case of depravity, a vision could appear in the heart of the wrongdoer. The vision is of someone who has committed the exact same transgressions. Having died, they experience great suffering and torture in various situations, such as seeing their body as a skeleton, void of flesh, while those with flesh have it ripped apart and eaten by other animals. This is just the beginning. The body is not dead. When a gutty like this appears, specific to oneself, there is great and endless fear. There is a fear that the same fate awaits the wrongdoer. There is a certainty that the wrongdoer must go down this path, because causes and conditions dictate this. The gati nimitta associated with goodness and virtue are the opposite of this. When those who do good deeds in this lifetime, like someone who has offered cloth to monks at Katina, end of range retreat ceremony for monks, or various other deeds, are about to die without sati, the kama nimitta or the gati nimitta appears in the same way as it would with those with bad kama. However, in this case, the good kama causes rapture and joy which nourishes the heart. As an example, someone during this life providing alms to monks, even if the offering was only a small amount, in the kama nimitta or the gati nimitta, the amount appears to be stupendous. So much so, there is much food left over, they cannot fully describe it. When they see this, they desire this outcome. They wish for this one day in the future when conditions truly make it possible. Some say, when we are about to die, we should put away our sati. We should not think about depraved karma. That depraved karma is the individual's own heedlessness. He can only guess about it. How can we take care of this situation if we have no sati? The karma nimitta is an enticement in its own right when it comes to letting go. There's no going back, no returning to the body to make excuses. You need to take action while you are still human. If you do this, 
when death comes calling, things will take care of themselves. Doing great good or great evil, what happens will be determined by what you do. This occurs by itself in its own way. It is true that we humans do die when breathing stops. However, the breath and the heart-mind are totally different things. What doctors call a coma is when we reach the end of our life in this body, but we are not quite there. In Buddhism, we are taught that the breath begins with the diaphragm. The diaphragm expands and contracts, and this is the cause of the breath. This in turn gives rise to warmth. When there is warmth, the body still has reflexes while there is air. However, the chitter is now dissociated. Wherever rebirth is to take place, that has now happened. The chitta's dissociation occurs simultaneous with the kama nimitta or the gati nimitta. Nothing remains except the corpse. If there was no kama nimitta or gati nimitta, then the person may be revived because the air was not exhausted. Modern science applies oxygen to assist the process, but it only assists breathing. The chitta will go wherever its conditions take it. Maranasati is of paramount importance because we are yet to die. We just assume what death is like. When we investigate, there arises sorrow and lamentation. The chitta becomes resolutely focused on the one spot. This is why I implore you to examine Maranasati, as this will be of great benefit. You will see death clearly as it really is. Practice to become proficient in Maranasati. But even at this level... When the death knell strikes, it is not guaranteed that you will be able to retain your sati. That concludes the Dhamma teaching, Mindfulness of Death, by the Venerable Arjan Tate. If you'd like to hear more talks by Arjan Tate and other meditation masters of the forest tradition of Theravada Buddhism, subscribe to the Forest Path podcast using your favorite podcast app, you can find out more about what the Forest Path podcast has to offer, including transcriptions of talks and icons to subscribe to a range of podcast players by going to www.everydaydharma.net and then clicking on the Forest Path podcast icon. This teaching by Ajahn Tate was translated by Stephen Towler and produced by Upeka PTYLTD and is made available for free distribution. According to the tradition, Tamma should not be sold like goods in the marketplace. Permission to reproduce this publication in any way for free distribution as a gift of Dhamma is hereby granted and no further permission need be obtained. However, when using, copying or in any way reproducing material in this publication, the source must be cited and fully acknowledged. Reproduction and or distribution in any way for commercial gain or fundraising is strictly prohibited. You can find out more about Forest Path Podcast by going to the link in the description below this episode, where you can find information about previous episodes and teachers, as well as English translations in text. The Forest Path Podcast is part of the Everyday Dhamma Network. If you go to everydaydhamma.net, you can discover more about the other three podcasts on the network. This podcast is produced and narrated by me, Sol Hannah. 
If you like these audio recordings that I'm making available for free in a convenient podcast format, you may want to become a supporter or even a member of the Everyday Dharma Network on the Ko-Fi Creators platform. There are links in the show notes below this episode. Thank you for listening. May you all experience insight and peace.